Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, we thank you so much. And we thank you as we get ready to get into your word today, Lord, that first of all, I acknowledge that I cannot minister your word without you. Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is the great teacher. Father, thank you uh, for helping me to minister this. Father, thank you for giving everyone ears to hear. We acknowledge, Heavenly Father, that you told your son, Jesus told Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. So we acknowledge it as being very important to feed the sheep, Lord. So thank you as we sit under your word today. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. This question came in, uh, we're, we're doing a, a series, if you're a guest with us today, and it's called, uh, Glad You Asked, it's right there. And this question came in last week, it's the only one that came in at the Hub, and then there was an email that came later in the week that was so much like this question. So I, I believe two different people had the same, along the same lines, how does a believer find God's specific will for their lives realizing the general will of God is found in the Word of God. So glad you asked that. And, um, and, and by the way, next week is the last week in this series, so you can turn in a question at the Hub today, and Patsy will be ministering next week, okay? So glad you asked that question, and it's very accurate that the Bible is the general will of God, but then there is also a specific will of God for believers. So a way to explain that would be that the fact that I am here in Australia, Patsy and myself are here in Australia, and of course we weren't born here, but we are here, it's because God has a specific plan for our lives, so we're now citizens of Australia. We haven't lived in our home country that we were born in for 23 plus years. Uh, And that, you cannot find any verses or scriptures in the Bible that would say, go to Italy and then go to Singapore after, and then go to Australia, become citizens in Australia, and get planted. We, can't, we didn't have any verses for that. So that would be like the specific will of God, and we're happy to be here, and, it's, uh, and, and we're joyful about being here. So that would be like the specific will of God that happened for our lives, and there was many things along the way, and I'm sure some of you can understand and, and relate. So when there's a question like this, even as a pastor and and thinking about a congregation that when you answer these kind of questions that there's there's people from so many different backgrounds with as far as work is concerned and so you want to answer a question like this and you want to make it relevant for everyone and not just for one group so I'm just trusting the Lord to help me with that as we answer this question today and I just uh, getting prepared you know I thought there's you know different so many different places that we work but we're all working for God no matter where we work, and we're all, in a sense, in the full-time ministry no matter what we do. But there's, there's some people that are called to business, some are called cl- to clerical, some are called to academics, cultural thing, medical, industry, transportation, public services, science, and I could go on and on. There's just a lot of areas that we could all be uh, involved in, okay? Then there's others, and there's a, it's a smaller group that are called into like a ministry where you have to leave what you're doing and actually then do something 
where it's totally different. And that actually happened back in my life when I was 23 years old, where I was a machinist at that time. And we were actually also in business and various other things. And the Lord called me and I moved away a thousand miles from home to go get prepared for something else. And that doesn't happen with everyone, but there's also things like that that happen. So we could say some are called to stay and some are called to go. Others are called to go to even other countries, for example, like we did. Then there's some that are called to pastor. There's some that are called to evangelize. Some are called to children's ministry. Some are called to youth ministry, young adults. Some, some uh, are called to, to do ministry. It helps, and it's forever, and, and so on and so forth. So there's all those things. So I thought, you know, this came into my heart, and I thought it was really good that we're going to read some scriptures and then make some comments. We're going to look at David, the shepherd boy, who eventually became King David. There's just a lot of things in that story that we can look at. So let's start reading, and then we'll make some comments about this. So 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 10, it says, And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. In the event that you're not uh, familiar with this and you're not familiar with the Bible, say you're with us today and you haven't really read a lot of the Bible, let me explain what this is about. Samuel was a prophet in the Old Covenant, and back in the Old Covenant, the people that were anointed to serve was priest, king, and prophet. So the normal person could not hear from God in that covenant. So if somebody did want to hear from God, they had to go to a prophet to hear from God. Now in this covenant, the Bible says that God puts his laws into our hearts and he, he's, God speaks to us all individually. So if we need direction, he can speak to us. And it's a different, the prophet's ministry today is for confirmation, not for direction. So sometimes you might get a word of confirmation, but the Lord, in this covenant, we learn how to be led by the Spirit. So back then... It was a big thing. Jesse had seven sons, and God sent the prophet to Jesse's house to speak. That's a big thing back in those days. And so Jesse's seven sons went before the prophet, and and Samuel said, none of them are the one. Do you have any other children? And this is where we pick up, okay? So then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. So notice that I underlined that, and we're going to make comments about some of the things I underlined. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. Sounds like somebody I know. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And the Lord said... Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I didn't write that. (laughs) No. uh, And then verse number 17. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful and plain, 
a man of, val of valor, a man of war, prudent in his speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And then jumping down to verse 21, and David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul said to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my presence, for he has found favor in my sight. Then going to chapter 17 and verse 14 and 15, David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And there, verse 17, And Jesse said to David his son, Take your brothers and ephah of this parched grain, and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now Paul, I mean Saul, sorry, Saul, and they had all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded, and he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. A lot of scripture that we read. So now just to bring it into and just make comments about some of these things that will answer the question that we were asked. Okay, so here's the first thing that we want to notice, that David was busy working when Samuel asked for him. Now, now, this is a big one because you'll find uh, through, if you read the Bible, and I challenge you, uh, if you can find anywhere in the Bible, please come and tell me, but I challenge you, find somewhere in the Bible where somebody, there's somebody that's laying around on a couch and the Lord comes to them and asks them to do something. You know, so when we talk about finding the specific will of God for our lives, the first thing that we can even see from reading the scriptures that uh, it's just not a common thing. It would be a great exception for the Lord to come to somebody that doesn't do anything. Okay, now when I say that, to make sure that you don't come any, under any kind of guilt or condemnation, because that's a killer, you have to know that if you pray at home for the kingdom, you're doing something, even though nobody knows about it. Okay, and so on and so forth. So please know that. But... Um, but what the point I'm making is doing nothing at all. We don't really find anywhere where the Lord comes and says, I have something specific for you to do. So such an interesting thing that, that the people that God came to were Elisha is out in the field plowing, Peter's fishing. They weren't spiritual things, but they were doing something. You know, so the first thing when we talk about finding the specific will of God, that you see that God comes to people doing all different kinds of things, and they're not necessarily spiritual things, okay? Paul, the apostle, was killing Christians, and God came to him, okay? The next thing that we see is that David was anointed king, and the Spirit of God came on him, and then after David was anointed to be king, Saul heard about him, but he probably didn't hear that yet. But here's, uh, here's an interesting thing, that David, after he was anointed to be king, and then Saul heard about him, uh, 
Saul heard about David and he was told about the good character traits of David. And then he was told David was with the sheep. Isn't that interesting that think about it, back in those days, the highest honor you could get is a prophet going to your house to tell you that God is speaking to you. David had a prophet come to his house and tell him he was going to be the next king. And what he did after that is he got on Facebook and announced it. He wrote a newsletter and told everyone he didn't do that, did he? What, what did he do? You know, and, and, you know, I know I'm being a little bit cheeky, but like there's some things we can learn here. You know, like God can find you wherever you at and you don't have to promote yourself. He found David with sheep and sheep, you know, represent something very special. The sheep, God's sheep, even the spiritually, they're, they're precious, you know. And David was found there and God could find anyone anywhere. But then what does David do after the prophet goes to him, his house, after he gets anointed? He goes right back out to be with the sheep and he doesn't do anything about it. Isn't that interesting? So as we're looking at this, we see the first thing is... Um, that you don't have to be concerned to make it happen and you don't have to be concerned as far as bringing it to pass, okay? So I, I remember many years ago when it was before I was married, but I had a word given to me by a very reputable person I was serving by the name of Kenneth Hagen, and, uh, and the word was, it's time to go, it's time to run, run with the anointing, go, and all. And so then uh, the next, that happened on a weekend when we were in church. And then on Monday, I was serving that ministry. He came up to the office that I was working and him and his wife both and said, so what, what are you going to do concerning that word? I said, well, I'm going to put my notice in and resign here and I'm going to go. I'm going to run just like the word. And, and he shook his head and just like, with, like disappointed. And he said, I thought I taught you better than that. He said, just because I gave you a word, you don't put your resignation in and just run like that. He said, you need to be praying over that word and you need to see what, what's, the, what's God's timing. When, how does that apply? You don't, just don't put your resignation in and run. And I thought, I guess I wasn't a very good learner. But, you know. but what am I saying? You know, God is so good and he's so merciful. All I had to do was hear that one time. And I thought from here on in, if I ever get a word, I'm not going to just go act on it the next day. I just needed to hear that once, okay? A word to the wise is sufficient, right? So, so I, it was actually two years after that that I had a change in what I was doing. So, so what you see here is David was anointed to be king and he went right back to what he was doing. He kept working and he stayed busy. So we're talking about finding the specific will for our lives, okay? Uh, the next thing that we see um, is, uh, let me find out where we left off. So then Saul, he, he, was, uh, he requested that David remain in his service, yet David went back and forth from Saul to the sheep. So isn't that very interesting on how... Um, faithful and committed he was so even though the the king himself said I want you in my service he still he served the king but he went back and forth to the sheep he was like planted and he was staying put is what we see there 
And then uh, we see then when Jesse asked David to take provisions to his brothers, David rose up early and left the sheep with a keeper. What we see and what we can pull out of that is David was a responsible person and that he left the sheep with a keeper. So when we talk about, you know, like finding the specific will of God and who God looks for, you know, I guess he looks for people with fervency and people that are committed. Paul was very fervent and committed to kill Christians, and God found him, okay? Uh, but David was committed to be in the wilderness with a few sheep, and God found him responsible, somebody that's staying busy, okay? Okay, so then um, as we move on here, let's look at this, these scriptures here in Psalms, and I love the way that it says it here. It says, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the nursing ewes. Is that how you say it? He brought him to the shepherd, Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. And, and I love the way that that says it. Like God can find anybody, no matter where they are in any place, God can find people. So he went to where David was, and it says he took him from... And then he brought him to. So when we talk about the specific will of God, it's important for all of us to know, keep our hand to a plow, keep working, stay busy. And what happens when we do that is God then, he, he comes to us and he ta- he, it, his time and his choosing, he can take us from what we were doing and take us to something specific, all right? Now, if he's not doing that and you're not, you know, he's not visiting you in that way, then just be at peace. You don't, you don't have to get in stress about it, okay? So what we learn from the scriptures we just read there, David was faithful where he was. He wasn't looking for any advancement. The Lord found him where he was working. And then God took him from what he was doing and brought him to his specific will. And that's what God will do for all of us. So remember the question. We're talking about finding God's specific will. So here's some practical steps to God's specific will. So here's the first thing that we can say, that we work as though we are in God's perfect will. That's how we work now. And what do I mean? Like you see the scripture that's up there. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. So it's something that when the Bible was written, they had slaves. And when the Bible was written way back in those days, they didn't have like probably government uh, departments that had to do with workplace safety and, and, you know, care and all the various things they have. Because of abuses throughout the years, probably with employers, they had to put a lot of things in place to protect employees. You know, so employees are pretty well protected today with workplace safety and care and all those things. But back in these days, they had slaves. And some of the masters weren't even that good to their slaves. But I just found it interesting, the way that the Lord looks at it, is he said, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear for the Lord. And so I'm sure that most people here, because of workplace safety, if you work a job, you're getting treated pretty well at your job because of the the laws of the land. 
And so how would this apply to somebody? It would mean, well, don't, if you're working for somebody, don't murmur about them. Don't talk behind their backs. Don't criticize them and rip them to shreds. And if you were in charge, you would do it this way. Okay, a little bit quiet. But, but really, you know, we see that, that the Lord is saying, so we, right now, wherever we are, we want to work as though we are in God's perfect will now. So even with the, jo- the attitude like, well, I'm just here abiding my time to something bigger and better comes. See, that's not really the best attitude to have. So no matter where anyone is, the best attitude to have is like, I'm going to do this with all of my heart. I'm buying in 100%. I'm going to be somebody that can be dependent upon. I'm not going to murmur and criticize and say, if I was in charge, I'd do it this way, et cetera, et cetera. That's the best attitude to have. And that's really, that's, God comes, God comes to people that way. And you know, one way that God will come is like God will, through your boss, your boss will notice attitude. He'll notice faithfulness and attitude and all those things. And your boss will eventually come to you and promote you if you work that way. Instead, you'll be the one that they trust. Okay, so that, that's one thing. And here's another scripture, the same point, uh, more from a, even the Bible view now with another area. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, you may, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So good, acceptable, and perfect, let's talk about those three words. If, if the Bible says by his stripes we are healed, then as Christians, when it comes anything that Jesus bought and paid for that belongs to us now, we should all desire and pray for the perfect will of God that we're physically whole and well, that we're prospering financially. But then let's look at this other area. What about God preparing us for what he has prepared for us? That area. So we can then look at good, acceptable, and perfect differently. God is all of us right now, no matter what we're doing, we're always getting preparation for something that could be in the future. Okay, so when we, look, when we talk about good and acceptable, those are positive words. Does anyone here see good and acceptable as negative words? They're positive. So there's some that are in a good place because they're being prepared for an acceptable place, or, and then they're being prepared for the place that God has ultimately prepared them for. And so in that, in that light, no matter what we're doing now, we should look at it as being good, it's good, and do it with all of our heart. Work as though we are in God's perfect will right now. It's the best way to do it. Buy, 100% buy-in with a good attitude. Okay, so that's one practical thing we can do. Then let's look at another one. <clears throat> we trust God to find us where we are working. That's something that we should all, like, Here's these scriptures one more time. This is something we should build in and, and believe and trust. It says he chose. It wasn't somebody else that chose, but it was God chose. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. David, as I said, he was in the wilderness taking care of sheep, 
God found him there. Now, how did he find him there? Like David was just being faithful, but the prophet went to the house and he said, do you have any other sons? And, and Jesse sent for his son, David. So he, back in the Old Testament, he found him that way. In the New Testament, how can we say how this can happen? Well, I, I remember, you know, in our, our personal lives, and I told you one story, it took two years, but I'm sitting in Singapore, and, and in Singapore, we weren't pastoring, but we were doing a Bible school, and we had an Aussie that was there, uh, and I didn't know many Aussies at the time, and, I, and one thing that I thought is I told you the one story that we, when we went to spy the land out in Singapore, and we were going back to our hotel at the end of the day after we met with various pastors and things, and when we got into the elevator, there was these two big Aussie guys, like they were young and big and strong, and they were drunk, and they did one of those stare downs with me, you know, and I grew up rough, and I used to be bigger and stronger, but I know what the stare down means. Like, you know, if you want to do the stare down, the next thing is going to happen, you're going to get into a fight. So I looked at the floor, because I thought, these are young 20-something-year-olds, and I'm like close to 50. I'm not going to do this with these two guys. It would be embarrassing even in front of my wife to get beat up like that. So we, we got off the elevator, and I told my wife, I said, remind me, let's never go to Australia. That's what I told her. So we end up in Singapore. I thought everyone was big and mean in Australia. I've come to find out it's different. So we ended up in Singapore, and then we had a, a guest speaker one day from Australia, and, and Patsy was actually out of the, she was in, in Tulsa doing a ladies' conference, so I was having lunch with him. And right while I was talking to him, honestly, something just out of the, it fell right out of the sky. It was like, you're going to go to Australia. You're going to, it's right to go to Australia. And I thought, I never wanted to go, you know. So I called, as soon as I took him back to his hotel, I called, I waited for the time to be right to call Patsy with the time change. And I said, guess what? The Lord spoke to me and we, we need to move to Australia. She goes, don't tell anyone. Don't say anything. Wait till I get back, you know. <laughs> so from, from the time that the Lord did that until the time we actually moved here was two years. Okay. And so the Lord found us but it didn't happen the next day. So between that time and the time that we left, what did we do? We kept on doing what we were doing with all of our hearts. We trained up somebody to take our place. We had to put them in position to take our place. We had to do a lot of preparation. And then, you know, and we did everything necessary so that we left there and everything that it's still going, whatever was going there, they're still carrying on. We left there uh, the right way. Okay, so... When we talk about specific, these are some of the things. So you can always trust if you are busy working and you especially have a sincere heart that you want to do things with the right motive. And, and like this whole thing with motive, um, if you desire to be great and famous, it's probably safe to say God may never visit you. You know, because even Jesus himself said, in this kingdom that we're in, to be great means to be a servant. And so you have to kill that. It's only, it's ego, it's flesh, and it's not the Lord. 
Jesus became famous, but he didn't become famous because he desired to be famous. The Bible says he was full of compassion, and because of the compassion he was full of, he was led by that compassion, and he ministered to people. It caused him to be famous, but that wasn't his motive. So one way to find a specific will of God is to make a decision. I'm not going to do anything to be famous, to be great, anything like that. I'm just going to follow God one step at a time. I'm going to continue to have a pure heart, be moved with compassion, etc., etc. It's the best way to find something more specific, to have those characteristics, okay? So just like David stayed put, uh, even it's your job, you know, um, like where your boss can find you. The Lord knew where to find David, you know, like does your boss even at work know where to find you, various things like that are you dependable etc and so the same way can be said then even for spiritual things and even in the realm of the spirit with things of God David stayed put so it is a good thing and I know that you may say well you're saying that because you pastor a church and it's to your benefit but I I do want to say that we were traveling ministers for 20 something years 25 28 years and we've been pastoring for seven so when we were traveling ministers, we had a local church, and when we weren't somewhere, we were there at church. And even great men of God, I lived in Oklahoma, and I watched Kenneth Hagin, who was known all over the world, uh, sold millions of books. But when he wasn't preaching, he was sitting on the front row in his son's church. And when church ended, he was fellowshipping with everyone. And many times when they turned out the lights to get everyone to leave, him and his wife were still there talking to people. Very down-to-earth, very approachable, very connected, and very easy to approach, involved, okay? So when I, when I say this, I'm not saying it to my benefit, but I'm saying it for everyone's benefit. The best thing that anyone can do is get planted and stay put. It's kind of like if you plant carrot seeds and you want carrots to grow, but as soon as you plant the seed, you pull it up, and then you go put it somewhere else, and then you pull it up, and then you go put it somewhere else, and you pull it up. And, you know, really, uh, until somebody get, decides that I'm going to plant myself and I'm going to stay planted, until that happens, there's not, you know, there, it's really difficult for there to be growth and something to grow up out of that. And we found out, you know, it was very interesting. You know, I know that you might not relate to my, what I would do and me and Patsy did, but we served, uh, I served 10 years and she served 16 years there in Tulsa. Do you know that I had the phone ring and I had pastors call me and they said, we want you to come and minister at our church. We've never heard you preach. <laughs> but, but we want you to come because we watched you serve Brother Hagen, and you have a faithful spirit. So even if you're not a good preacher, I've been told this, even if you're not a good preacher, we want our people to get your spirit because you're faithful. And we want them to get faithfulness because you have that. So I got invited to churches just because people watched me stay put and serve. So, I mean, so if that doesn't relate to the kind of work you do, I, I don't know how to relate to every single person. But I just know that, you know, planting and being consistent and staying put has something to do with the next step and getting specific, okay? So even today with social media and websites, they create a lot of curiosity, and sometimes it causes people to end up all over the place. So I say this, that 
It is a blessing to get spiritual food from websites and podcasts. Patsy and myself, we do it ourselves, and we get fed. But that, that, doesn't, that isn't to be confused with being planted, okay? So we could say that David did not tend sheep as a stepping stone to something else. Like I believe when David was tending to those sheep that he wasn't thinking, I'm just doing this and I'm just abiding till I get to the next place. So we're just talking about how to get something, you know, finding the specific will of God. So here's closing thoughts, okay? We can look at our present place as a place of preparation. David was out with the sheep in the wilderness. David killed a lion and he killed a bear. Probably when he killed that lion and he killed that bear, he didn't know that his father would say, go take cheese to your brothers. And when you take the cheese there, you're going to see a giant and then you're going to fall back on the experience you got when you killed a lion and a bear. His, he didn't know that. He killed the lion and a bear because he was being faithful to take care of the sheep. And, and he got experience in battle with the lion and a bear. And then when he saw the giant, he said, this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like, you know, it's no different than that lion or bear. He's nothing. So think about this, you know, even in our children's ministry, people that serve, we sit here, but we don't know everything that goes on there. But children, they show up sick and our children's ministers lay hands and pray for them. They're actually killing lions. They're dealing with sickness and disease. They're doing the works of Jesus and the work of the ministry. And none of us know a lot of things that are going on back in children's church. But what is that? They don't know, our children's ministries don't know, ministers don't know everything they're going to eventually do, but we can say one thing, is they're getting experience at what, you know, working for the Lord back there. See, and David did that in the wilderness, okay? So you can see that. And then here's the last thing for today. We should be led forth in peace versus being driven in distress, okay? And in other words, you can enjoy the ride, <laughs> if you're willing and obedient. Now notice there where that scripture says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So you could be hesitant and obedient. You can be complaining and obedient. You can be half-willed and obedient, or you can be willing and obedient. And what is willing? Well, obedient means that you do something and you're obeying, but willing is like your attitude while you're doing it. So being willing and obedient means we're not murmuring, we're not criticizing, we're not ripping our bosses to shreds, whatever we're doing, but, and we're not even mad at God. You know, sometimes people get mad at God. What do you, you know, what do, what do you got me doing this for? And so they're obeying God, but they're not doing it with a willing heart. Now, this is a picture of prosperity and increase. So if we're willing and obedient, it says, you shall eat the good of the land, Eating the good of the land is a picture of increase, increase. So the, the best way to get increase is to not only be obedient, but to be obedient with willingness. In other words, I'm happy to do this. I rejoice to serve you, Lord. I, I'm happy to have a job. I'm grateful for my job. Thank you, Lord, for my, my boss. He's, he, you know, he or she, they, they got, they got some, some quirks. You know, there's things that that they rubs me the wrong way, but I pray for my boss. I lift my boss up to you, etc. Whole different thing, okay? Amen. Some, sometimes uh, as we get into the Word, it's a little bit sobering, but it really helps us, doesn't it?
Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today, Lord, and I just pray that as we looked into your word, Father, that it will help us. Um, it will help us to be more fruitful. It will position us for you to come to us. All of those things, Father, we thank you for the wonderful word that you gave us, Father, that directs and leads and guides us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.